This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear, performance hunting apparel. Performance layering system in the season is winding down. I hope that plenty of you went out and checked out Scree Gear at ScreeGear.com for the fall hunting season, but I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are also going to get out and do spring turkey hunting, and I'm here to tell you that the Scree Summit camouflage pattern is absolute dynamite in the spring turkey woods it's one of the best spring turkey patterns that i've ever used and uh that opinion has been shared by a lot of people across the country that i've hunted with and um the performance gear the layering stuff kind of uh it also pairs very well with with the style of hunting that most people are doing during the spring with turkey hunting being able to layer up for those really chilly cool spring mornings and then warm middays and uh, being mobile and all those things. So follow them online, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, learn about the products, and shop online at ScreedGear.com. Get 20% off your first purchase on all regularly priced items with the code LABH. Shop online, ScreedGear.com. Um, it's, uh, we're running down towards the end of Season 4. We're down towards the end of the 21-22 hunting season. Um, late season hunting is always like this weird, I, I, in some ways I enjoy late season hunting the most, but it's also very black and white or hot and cold, whatever. 
analogy you want to use it for me. And what I mean by that is there are some days, typically in the South, our weather is what we expect and what we want much more often this time of the year than it is actually during the holidays and the peak parts of the season when we're when we're supposed to be having rut and all that. So the weather's better, but there are days when the woods seem completely 1,000% dead, and then there's other days where everything in the everything in the area is up and moving around, and it's just really off and on, not a lot of middle ground. Is how do you is your experience similar to that, Tyler? Yeah, I um, I had to go back to work, uh, which is something that I guess we all have to do, and. I, um, I've been watching my cameras or maybe the lack thereof because I haven't been getting a lot of photos, but it seems like early season again. Do you remember at the beginning of the season where I was joking and I was like, hey, guys, if I kill a buck this year, it's totally on accident because I have no bucks anywhere that I've yeah. seen at all. That's what I'm back to. I went through like a three-week period of like 80% bucks, 20% does on camera every day, sometimes all day in some areas. And then um, – and then when I would actually hunt, I would see similar, you know, that, but more activity. Um, and uh, now we're back, like I went through like a, almost a week and a half, two week period of just nothingness. Like raccoon, like suddenly like the raccoon rut is on, the possum rut <laughs> is on right now. And, uh, and so I went through nothing but you know, bird squirrels and raccoons and possums. And then, then the does started, started showing up in full force, like it was October again. And uh, starting two days ago. I started to see some following again, some second rut action. Um, and so I think it's going to be a pretty decent season ender for me. Um, we've got good weather. It's finally cold and we finally have water. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully we have a little blip towards the end and it go out on top. Typically yeah. I'm like burning out. You know what I mean? Typically I'm like, Oh, like I feel like a smoldering fire where I'm just like, just please put me out of my misery by the last week of the season but right now i'm like refresh let's see if we can get a strong push at the end and and close it out well i'm pretty much burnt out so (laughs) (laughs) i mean i it's not just that i'm burnt out i mean i'm i'm that's the that's the end result of of how i feel about the whole thing but i mean really i don't have i just got a lot going on and i don't really have much I don't have much intel or scouting done. Like, if I go hunting, and I'm going to go, I'm going to try to take uh, my son and hunt a little bit with my dad this last weekend. And I and I just did that a couple of days ago as well. But there's no, like, I've, I don't have a real purpose. I'm just going and hunting just to get out in the Out of principle. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't hunt that yeah. way. I mean, I've we've talked about that a lot. I don't hunt that way. You know that's yeah. just I that's just not my typical style. I'm more like I have a strategic plan. I'm 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 after a certain deer, or that's that's what kind of keeps me going. And there's still times in the season, like early season, middle of the season, holidays, where I just want to hunt, and I got kind of a good idea. That means like even coming and and hunting with you, I don't really have a plan. I'm kind of using your plans and your ideas, but I enjoy that because I'm still kind of in it. Right, it's the middle of the season, and I don't have to always hunt that way. But when it's kind of at this point in the season, I'm just—I found myself. I, I climbed up in a stand yesterday, and uh, I say I climbed up in a stand. I got up in a tree, and at nine o'clock, I was just done. I was like, man, I just got so much stuff to do, and I'm 
not feeling it. And it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Beautiful, absolutely. The kind of temperature and weather that we hope for, you know, starting October the 1st, those are the mornings we're looking for the whole year. Perfect temperature, perfect wind, everything, and I'm just like, I'm done, man. I just, I don't even care if a deer does walk by. I'm just done. So, yeah. I, I, uh, that can turn, I, I, look, with cellular cameras and all that, that whole attitude can turn around in an instant. <laughs> but right now, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the drag, man. I'm like, I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to move yeah, on to something else. But, uh, so with, with, with it being the end of the season, inevitably, I'm looking back at everything that I have done this year and um, all the different hunts I've made this year and all that kind of thing. And I'm sure a lot of people have gotten a chance to go hunt with friends and uh, go be guests. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Taylor Sledge is going to join us. Taylor is a friend of Kyler's and and someone who uh, is we thought was great for this topic. And um, Kyler... Kyler going to kind of take over here and lead most of the conversation for this one, but that's what we're talking about today is looking back at the season and, you know, like do's and don'ts and all about being a, you know, guest and visiting a guest property and how you should act and all that sort of thing. So, Kyler, you just Absolutely. have at it. Our guests every week are brought to you by our friend Brian Chamberlain, the Chamberlain Lending Team with Movement Mortgage. And if you're in need of a residential loan, primary or secondary vacation investment, cash out, rate reduction, renovation for add-ons, any of these kind of needs, contact Brian. Nobody does better. Low credit scores, potentially 0% down, and the movement mortgage, 42% of their profits go towards charitable organizations through the Movement Foundation, and that sets them apart. Brian is licensed in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, NMLS number 114586, and Movement Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender, NMLS ID number 39179. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's a great summary. Essentially, this is a topic that I wanted to do for a long time, and um, the reason why is because this is something that we don't really talk about as adults, but we all encounter this either multiple times in our life, some of us multiple times in a year or a season. Um, but ultimately, what are the, are you ready for this word? What are the guest expectations, right? <laughs> what are the expectations guess. of guests? There's your title. Um, what are guest the expectations? expectations. Uh, Let me write that down. Guest expectations. What are the expectations as a guest and for having guests? So if you're the host of a camp, and maybe it's just like a communal camp of, like mine where I got public land around and you're just staying with me or something like what Taylor's got, which is managed properties. They practically know the, the number of hairs on every one of their deer. And, um, you know, there could be the potential of maybe some relationship damage. If, uh, some mistakes are made or the wrong deer shot, we hear about this every year. So I just wanted to kind of face it head on and have an open conversation about it. So that there's, there's n- nobody, no more friendships are lost and no more brother-in-laws aren't invited to the camp because they shot a three and a half year old. They weren't supposed to right? that type of stuff. So anyway, um, Taylor, appreciate you joining us today, man. Thanks for, um, for hopping on and look forward to talking to you. Absolutely, man. Thank y'all so much for having me. And I got to say, and, and Kyle, you know all about this. Um, I, uh, I really, um, kind of, made a recommitment to bow hunting in 2020. And I got to tell you guys, this podcast 
and really just spending time listening to you, listening to y'all talk, spending time with Kyler really gave me a new edge on bow hunting and reignited a lot of things uh, about my, my desire and things I've learned about myself and hunting. And it's, it's, it's brought a whole new horizon. So thank y'all so much for having me. And thanks for this podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. it, man. I'll, uh, I'll Venmo you 20 bucks at the end of this. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I've been hunting with you a couple of times. Um, we've become good friends over the years and, um, uh, I, you know, I, I'm happy to have you on. I'm glad you're on. And I think this is going to be something where we've got some good perspectives between the three of us, because just to kind of lay out the topic, I'm going to kind of cover the, the communal, um, regionally located camp where like it's just pretty much a hostel for for hunters and you bounce around the properties around and then come back and eat dinner and rinse repeat the next day Locke's going to kind of cover the out-of-state stuff um, you know what are the expectations for an outfitter service if you are you know a guest going to an outfitter or you hire the outfitter yourself whatever and then um, Taylor, we'd like to hear from you on uh, y'all's properties and what y'all expect also, you expect also from people that you invite hunting because, like I said, there's a potential for some um, tarnished relationships there. And, and I'm not, I, I don't, I want to clarify, I don't mean that specifically with you. I mean that very vaguely in the fact that we all hear about it every year. Oh, you know, my sister bought her, brought her new boyfriend and we put him in, you know, field seven and he shot the one that we clearly told him not to right yeah um, and so yep. you know that that stuff happens and 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 i also want to talk a little bit about why that it, like why that is important and also the amount of work that goes into having a managed property um the year-round efforts to grow those deer and why it can be such a big deal when the wrong one shot and then how, how to handle it also with uh very respectfully um, but oh, yeah, before man. we get, but before we get into that, we asked all of our bow hunter buddy, uh, uh, bow hunter guests this, what bow are you shooting? What arrows are you shooting? What broadheads are you shooting? And tell us about your setup. So I shoot the Matthews VXR 28. Um, <clears throat> I really like the bow, uh, that I shoot a lot. I've, I've looked at some of the, the most recent updates with the V3, and I just feel like it's not that different from what they came out with with the VXR. So I'm not ready kind of to, to roll anything else yet, but I, I really, really like the speed of the bow. I like the way that it feels. I like the size, the, you know, the compact size for me feels a little more forgiving. Um, I shoot Easton Arrows, and I shoot the Iron Will Broadhead. And, um, you know, Kyler, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about um, arrow penetration and, and you know what really you're trying to do there and for me my setup is is about trying to simplify things a little bit and that's one reason why I went with the iron wheel broadhead I know it's kind of gotten a buzz recently in the bow hunting world um, but things like the expandables I've just typically you know, stayed away from those um, primarily because to me, to me it's just one more functional thing to go wrong uh, and, uh, I'm, I, I stay concerned about trying to keep my setup simple. So that's what I've got. And I've been really pleased with it. Awesome. I think, I think, um, lock that iron will is what John Lusk just shot like a, a muskox with. Is that what it was? 
Mm. Um, or, the, the, yeah, the, something big, very big like that. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it was in buffalo? the tundra somewhere. No. Yeah, so I yeah. Th- no, it can't be a buffalo. It might be a buffalo, actually. Yeah, I think it was like an actual buffalo. Um, yeah. and uh, something yeah, he, very he was, big. I I do have to give him credit because he definitely pointed to left field with his bat at the plate and was like, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot a Buffalo with this broadhead and it's going to kill it. And like three days later, he's got a Buffalo with his bow laid across front of it. I'm like, go ahead, man. That's awesome. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, they're, they're, I hear they're just indestructible. Um, and that's cool. That's, um, that's awesome, man. We like talking to everybody about their setups. So, um, so let's, Let's dive. Let's dive off into our topic because I know we're all a little crunched for time today. But um, yeah. number one, let's let's talk a little bit about expectations. And if like number one, is there any sort of mm, consideration as to who you do or don't invite to come hunting with y'all? Like, oh, absolutely. I mean. it's a huge deal and and i'll tell you why and so the first thing is is safety and i mean you have to know someone knows how to conduct themselves in this situation you know i firmly believe that hunting in general is part of the ethos of just like who we are as people and what's happened to most of our society is that you know the necessity of hunting obviously has disappeared with Correct. all that's going with what we have. So there are a lot of people out there that have all these great intentions, but they don't know how to conduct themselves. So the first thing that we're going to consider always is, I mean, do they know it, at least on some level what they're doing? So that's the first thing. Um, and a lot of times we'll, we'll go and hunt with that person. We'll sit with them in the stand or we'll yeah. put up another lock on next to theirs and and keep an eye on them because we want them to have the experience but but we don't want there to be some type of life-threatening problem or something so that's the first thing um and then the second thing is is really figuring out do they know how to actually age a deer and if they say they do i would say about 75 percent of the time they don't and that's not because they don't have good intentions to do so it's just that they think it's all about the antlers so sure um and and then, and then lastly, I mean, and this is, this is probably the most powerful one is, is what kind of character are we dealing with? And you don't know that for sure. A lot of times, a lot of times you're just trying to be nice. You're trying to just be inclusive. But I mean, I think, I think how someone conducts themselves in a hunting camp type of environment and in the woods is very telling of who they actually are. Man, that is a powerful statement. And I am, and I have not heard. No, I say that because I say that in private conversations to people all the time, and I've very rarely, very rarely heard anybody else say it. So thank you for saying it. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, it goes back to the thing about you know the ethos of us existing on the planet as human beings. You know, if you if you don't respect the power of nature when you're in the woods. I mean, you're going to lose to it, and you're gonna you're gonna look dumb, and then and then that's going to spill over into not looking good to the people who invited you. So yeah. if you're not showing that respect, and then the other thing is, and and this is you know we're going to get into this in the conversation, but you know respecting the environment of the camp or the establishment of who invited you 
is a huge deal. And not if, if you show that you don't understand the blood, sweat, and tears and the value that this person is putting through their life onto hunting, if you show that you don't get that, then you're a risky person to, to have around to, to hunt. That doesn't mean I won't play checkers with you, that we can't have a conversation yeah. about football. But inviting somebody to hunt, it, it, it's not – people take it lightly. It is not. It is a, it's really, it is a really special and important thing. And when someone shows you that they have high regard for these elements – even if they don't understand them, even if they just have enough humility to say, like, I don't know, that's the best thing they can do. The worst thing yeah. they can do is say, I got it, and then, you know, get on the deer stand, have six beers, and shoot a three-point. You know, that's that's that, that's that's when you have a problem. Let me, let, me, let me interject a thought process that I want you to kind of carry out the rest of your statement here with, because – I also I, like I'm very much in tune with what you're saying and I'm very much on the same thought path uh and but there's a part of it also that that runs and bounces around in my half empty head all the time too. I have um I, I I've had this conversation and and to the tune of like why do you you know why do you have these these kind of feelings about someone and it refers back to like what you just said uh you said very eloquently that you know uh, somebody kind of shows you who they really are um in the way that they act in that situation um you know but kind of playing off that there there there's also this this other thing that and I know you'll recognize this this also happens all the time too it's an honest mistake Right, it's an honest mistake, yeah. but here's what it really is, and I'm going to ruffle the hell out of some feathers when I say this. But here's what it is: it's an Im- emotional immaturity, an inability to control your emotions over something that Bingo. supersedes your respect for the person that you're hunting with, whether it's their privately managed property or they put you in their best spot or whatever boundary lines exist in this relationship. You're emotionally wrapped up in this to the point that you make the these mistakes and that emotional immaturity is a glimpse into who this person is on a broader scale well what, elaborate, elaborate on mistakes like what, when you say mistakes what's going through your mind like be, be like somebody that clear. somebody that clearly crosses a line with shooting a deer they shouldn't or or something along those lines but it's not a situation where you can really understand and justify how the mistake was made. It's really just a matter of they got so freaking excited they made a stupid mistake because their excitement well, yeah. and their emotion supersedes their respect. Like I have, I have got friends that I have taken hunting that have passed up on deer that they shouldn't because they were so concerned about the respect for the situation, which I have thoughts yeah. about that too. I hate that. That makes it feel wrong too. But – that shows you where they're at. And then I've been in that situation with so many other people. It's like like they're trying to justify the mistake that they made because they were just so excited. And it's like you shouldn't be that excited about killing a deer that, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, we talk about white-tailed deer, whiskey, women, all these things that make good men not so great. And, like, that's kind of the, the, the emotional thing that I'm referring to when I say all that. Gotcha. Well, it- and and, and I, we do have to categorize the mistakes. I mean, there's a difference between if if I tell 
if, if I tell Tyler, try to shoot a five and a half year old deer. And he's, if you're going to kill a buck, make sure he's five and a half years old. Well, if a buck comes out and it's a 170 inch deer and it's a four and a half year old and Kyler shoots it thinking it's a five and a half year old, he's not going to get any flat for that right. mistake. Because the deer was a mature deer and it's a monster and I would have mowed it down 100% of the time. So, so to me, like he made the same decision anybody else would have made. You could technically call that a mistake, but it was so subtle and the event was so epic that yeah, it really yeah. wasn't, yeah. right? So there's yeah. that. But then there's the other thing of, uh, you know, they don't really, you don't, somebody doesn't really listen to what you say. And they're simply, I mean, you know, like you said, ruffling the feathers. I mean, they're simply self absorbed. And um, I have situations where, and, and, and I've been burned a handful of times, but I got a situation where a friend, who I knew well, um, that had hunted with me about three times, four times, not hunted with me a lot, but knew me well. He had someone come into town who was another friend and said, look, this guy's in town just for the afternoon. You know, your place is nearby. Would you, could you do me a favor? Would you let me take him hunting? All he wants to do is shoot it up. I said, hey, man, you know what? If that's all he wants to do, has he had a lot of hunting experience? Oh, yeah. Huge. Hunts all the time. Hunted in Africa. Well, <laughs> That doesn't mean too much. I mean, they got they yeah. got some beautiful fences in Africa, right? And other yeah. than Africa and Yonka, so I'm like, okay, he can come just for this afternoon. He can shoot a doe. Well, he we, we put everybody on the stand. They're hunting with a gun. I'm hunting with a bow. So I'm out listening. He's got a single shot rifle. This guy, and b- before we go out there, he's looking at the deer we have hanging on the wall at our property. And he said, you mean to tell me if that buck right there walked out, I couldn't shoot it? I said, yes, that's absolutely what I mean to tell you. I don't, if you're <laughs> new here, only shoot a doe, only shoot a doe. And, you know, this is all part of my process of like, hey, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not because we let, we, we are not like this. We're like, no guests can shoot a buck. No, no, if you know how to identify what a mature buck is, and we know you know that, then you can shoot a mature buck, period. So, so I tell him only shoot a doe. Are you you I can't shoot that thing? No, you can only shoot a doe. Great. Got it. You got it? Got it. So my friend, really nice, humble guy, is taking his friend, friend of a friend. I put him on the stand. I walk into the stand with my bow. I put my foot on the bottom rung of my my steps that I have going up to my lock on. My uh I'm trying to remember what those are called that strap onto the tree. Um but uh not the not the T shed ones, but anyway, I, I'm rapid rails. I'm putting my foot on there, and I hear a shot, and it's like 3:20 p.m. And he's got a single shot rifle, so I'm like, oh, he got one. So I get up in the stand. About 45 minutes goes by, I hear another shot, then another shot. And he shot five times with a single shot rifle, and he the last time he shot was at black dark, and he killed a doe. That was 45 pounds. It could have been a button buck, but he lucked out it wasn't. And he killed a, an eight-point with a 14-inch spread. And they were both supposed to be mature does. And he wasn't supposed to shoot more than one. And uh, he just Jeez. said, man, I just thought it was a doe. It was just really dark. And, uh, man, it was like, I mean, and it, it, it caused all kinds of problems. And then I had to sit down with my family and explain to them. And what ends up happening is that person not only – 
you know, he kind of took advantage. He, he was reckless. It makes me look like I invited someone who was reckless. It makes him look like just a total pariah. And then my friend who was just trying to do something nice had no idea that he had invited someone who was this way. And it was just a whole thing. It was terrible. And, um, yeah, you know, my takeaway from that was, you know, kind of taking advantage of. And, and it was, it, it was sure. a deer that no one ever would have shot. Hey, if you're looking for a new piece of hunting property or you have a piece of property you'd like to list for sale, contact our friend Slade Priest, the hunting land man. Slade's a Realtree United Country Land Pro, and he's more than just a real estate agent. Slade has spent his entire life in the outdoors managing property, hunting, fishing, and he really prides himself on understanding putting the right buyer and the right seller together when it comes to outdoor recreational hunting property. And Slade was recently ranked number two in the, in the country for for 2020 uh southern states realty united country hunting properties so if you are in the market no one sells more mississippi and louisiana and it's not too late to potentially get into a new piece of property even for this hunting season uh slade tells me you can get to closing pretty quickly and he's got some fantastic properties recently listed and more coming all the time so Search the hashtag HuntingLandMan, and you'll find all kind of stuff. Slade's got a podcast where you can get all kind of information on land and uh, the buying selling process. So check him out and go find all of his listings at HuntingLandManMS.com. Well, here's, here's, here's I, like that person. I think listening to your story, that I hope that what you just described just doesn't happen to very many people very often because that, that, that goes like way above and beyond making the mistake of shooting a buck that doesn't meet the standards of the club and say, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I knew how to age him and I just didn't. I, I'm not really even referring to that, but there are, you hear a lot of these conversations to me where people don't respect you because they don't respect what you're doing, but they're willing to accept your invite to your camp. They're basically yeah. saying, well, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. I mean, if a deer walks out like that, I ain't gonna be able to not shoot it. Well, you know, if you're that person, I've got questions about you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm sorry. That may make me sound like a total asshole, but I have questions about you because, you know, it, it, it's it, a deer is not like this universal currency that everybody should view in the exact same light. Like, for you, deer hunting and management is one thing, and for another person, it's something else. And if you respect each other outside of your emotional immaturity of just killing shit— then you should be able to, you should be able to decline the invitation and not question the person's rules when they invite you. That's the kind of stuff mm-hmm. I'm talking about. You know, you know what this reminds me of, uh, Taylor is, um, you 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 own a business. Your friend comes to you and says, "Hey, I've got a buddy. He just got laid off. Um, he's got these skill sets. He needs a job. Would you mind talking to him? And if it works out, would you mind hiring?" And you're like, of course I will. Absolutely. Anything for you, friend, right, person. And then you meet the person. He seems good enough. You're like, man, this might work out. You hire him. And then two weeks later, the dude is like stealing from you and showing up to work late. <laughs> right. That's, that's great. And, great and so what happens, it, it totally – and then your friend had no idea he was like that as an employee and your friend had no idea he was like that as a hunter, and so your friend probably feels the worst out of all of out of everybody, 
um, it, because his, his reputation feels tarnished. His relationship with you feels tarnished. You've got to go explain to your other employees why you hired this guy. You look like an idiot to your employees potentially. Um, and yeah, it's a really, it's a really ugly situation and it can be avoided if just people, um, either say what they do, what they say they're going to do or have some restraint, you know, um, and tighten up. But I, well, that's, like those types of stories are exactly what I'm talking, what I wanted to talk about today. Well, I think, I think another thing is because so many people are so distant from hunting now, you have to contextualize what someone is really getting into when they come hunt with you. If you have any inkling that they don't have enough experience, sure. you have to really explain to them like, you know, Kyler, your camp, you know, you're raising kids, I'm raising kids. Your camp and the experience that you have there is going to eventually, it will be part of your legacy. And it's not, you know, just about the building. And, I, you know, I don't want to get too too fluffy with all this, but it's a it's a bigger thing than just hunting. You know, you, you in, in this today's society, we do not have to hunt for food. So yeah, the, meaning, the meaning is heavier. The meaning is more powerful. And I think there are a lot of people that maybe are well-intended that don't understand that I'm, I'm writing a narrative for my legacy with hunting and, and that, you know, the meaning that hunting has for me and taking the animal and, you know, having that harvest to, to live my life. I mean, people don't understand the context of that. So I think that's one thing we have to give some folks some grace, you know, if we're inviting someone that, that we need to do a better job of, of explaining to them that this is not just about killing a deer, like, like, and, and, and to do it in a way that is, is a little more, more eloquent. You know, my whole life, I mean, for me, when I think about hunting, I think about spending time with my dad. I think about spending time with my brother. And I think about building relationships with people and, um, you know, getting out there to do it is, is the act, the thing that, that gives us all that common thread of why are we all here? And yeah, when somebody comes and they disrespect that, that they, they they obviously have a major void of self-awareness in some way, shape, or form. They don't know what they're corrupting. And the worst situation is when someone – you do know someone knows how to hunt, and they decide to take a personal risk on, on in an environment that's not theirs just because they want something for themselves. And that's where – that's where they end up being the cold deer of your uh, relationship group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 part of it's all been all of this has been very well stated. The the part of it that just continues to it's it's always been an issue for me is I I I can't wrap my and I've I've been around so many of these people in my life in different ways and I just don't understand somebody that's willing rather it rather it be completely intentional or or maybe not directly intentional but yeah they're willing to sacrifice their respect integrity and and maybe even friendship or whatever over a freaking deer because they yeah. literally are so consumed by killing a deer that they can that 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 whether they want to admit it or not they're going to be deceitful they're going to lack lack a lot of the things that make them a desirable friend and trusted companion otherwise so that they can kill a deer a deer 
you know, and, and, and well, I, it makes a lot of grown men. Like, I don't know, and but it carries into this conversation is what I'm saying, and 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 all I'm trying to say about it, and and I've been involved in, in many different ones is, if you're that person on either side of that coin, you got to be able to identify that, and because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna lose your respect and trust for someone who's probably an effective part of your life in other ways, but. Yeah. They're just too wrapped up in killing a deer, and they're too, too emotionally immature when it comes to a white-tailed deer for you to deal with them. Don't invite them. So, so let me say this. Um, the first thing about being a guest going somewhere is that you don't have to shoot something. Like, just get that through your mind. Yeah. You don't have to kill a deer. You're not doing the host a favor by killing a deer unless they explicitly say, hey, we have to take 30 does off our place before November shoot any doe that you want like you got to lay ground rules but if you are being invited somewhere to a property or um, a, a system that is being built and improved like taylor is, and his family are, are constantly improving and ever evolving and trying to grow better and better deer you like every time i go hunting with taylor number one i'm i've probably already killed a couple of deer by the time i go with with you so i'm not you know, bloodthirsty, if you will. But secondly, I know the standards of gear that y'all have. And just like Locke said earlier, I'm actually probably the guy that if a deer that I felt met all the criteria walked in front of me, I would have a reservation. It's like, man, what if that's like Taylor's kid's deer? You know, what if that's Travis, your brother's deer? What if that's the one that he's been seeing on the other side of the property? Like, I'm going to have those, those little hesitations even though I know I wouldn't quote unquote get in trouble for it, but that that's that is something that rolls through my mind. Um, but what you said earlier about respecting people's places, deer and whatnot, I made a rifle hunt on Sunday afternoon with a friend of mine. He's also a customer. He has like 120 acres and a few fox blinds set up, and I'm entering in the point of my life where i'm taking my daughter hunting she's four and she all you know i'm gone all the time hunting so she always wants to go with me so i took her and we um uh, the only thing that they asked of me was hey bring a couple of green bottles of propane for the buddy heaters um and you know that's it thanks so i brought i had six of them at my camp i brought them i get into the into the box line with my daughter and there's um trash all in the box line um shell casings um snickers wrappers uh empty bottles of propane nothing too bad you know beef jerky wrap nothing too bad but like some stuff sleeps on the ground such type of stuff and when we were done i picked up all the trash i didn't pick up the sunflowers but i i put all the shell casings on the window lined up you know kind of like hey here's all the gear that's been shot out of here and then i took all the trash out of there even though it wasn't mine and um i never even i never like i put it in my bag i brought it home with me i threw it away at my house and when he goes out there this week and sits in that box blind, I guarantee you there's going to be a thought of like, man, thanks, Kyle. I appreciate you doing that. You didn't have to do that, but you can come back. You know, those little things matter. And uh, uh, on another side of that, I'm hunting with my daughter. I don't really like to rifle hunt, and I'm doing it for her so she can have exposure in the woods and we spend time together. I don't care about killing a deer at this time of year, especially with a gun. And um, he tells me, hey, we're going to sell this place after the season. You can shoot whatever you want. That's what he tells me. And um, 
Now, I don't think they're going on some like Rambo cut down anything with four legs dying type of thing. They're not like making it scorched earth for the next owner like some people will do. But he's just like, hey, last week of the season, if you want to kill it, shoot it. So six or seven deer come into the field, and my daughter gets to see all of them, look at them, do the binoculars, blah, blah, blah. But she's not old enough to shoot my gun yet. And um, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, kill a deer with my daughter. I'm going to want to do it when she's able to, to, you know, at least pull the trigger and look through the scope and shoulder the gun or, or hold it out the window or whatever. So there were a couple of deer out there I could have shot. And I'm like, you know, um, I don't need, I don't need to shoot a deer and this isn't my preferred method of hunting. And there's, my daughter is kind of in this period where she's probably not going to remember a ton from this age anyway. So other than a picture, what's the point? You know, what's the point of me shooting any deer, a doe, a small buck? It doesn't matter what it is. So I just didn't shoot anything. And my buddy, he texted me. He's like, hey, you're not seeing anything because he knows, like, what's in the field. He hunts, you know, keeps dibs on it. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I just really wanted to be out here with my daughter. Thanks for letting us come hunt. And um, if he had specifically asked me to shoot a deer, like, hey, we need some more meat in the freezer. Shoot a doe for me if you don't mind. I got you all day long and I'll just give the deer, you know, you can have it, I'll have to clean it, whatever. But I just, I knew I went into this with the point of spending time and enjoying the invitation with my daughter on somebody else's um, project, if you will, somebody else's efforts and work and what they've built. And they want to share that with me, but at no point in time do either of us need to kill a deer to make that quote unquote worth it. You know what I mean? Um, so I just I think that's an interesting point to bring up. Also, is that you don't have to shoot something. You know, if you get invited somewhere, you might actually earn more respect if you let a nice deer walk and explain to you, you know, send a picture of it. Hey, this came out, but you know the conditions weren't right, and I just didn't feel right taking a shot, so I let it go. Wouldn't, wouldn't and, that mean a lot to you? That's awesome. Taylor? And that's awesome. Well, Kyler, what you're saying is great because at the end of the day, you can either you can either really be aggressive and kill a couple too many deer or kill the wrong deer, or you can secure invites for the rest of your life and Bingo. then one day kill a book deer on the property. You know? Bingo. Because I, yes. you, you, if, if you've been respectful more than once, you've put me in the macros mindset of thinking big picture. Kyler is a respectful guy, and I can trust him. And there's not any question. And so, you know, now Kyler's on the short list. You know, for any time we go, because he is he is my hunting buddy. He is my friend. You know that that I can that I can trust. And Tyler, one thing you mentioned earlier, you're talking about you know sort of at your camp and the way people conduct themselves in that environment. And you know, um, what I was raised always to you don't ever show up anywhere without bringing something. Even if they say don't bring anything, you bring a pound of coffee. You know, you bring something, yeah. and this year has been a banner year for hunting for me and my family. Both of my old, I have three sons. Both of my oldest sons killed their first buck, which was awesome. My oldest son's nine. My middle son is seven. They both killed their first buck. Amazing experience that we had together. My dad and my brother have both killed great deer this year, and I killed a great deer this year. I killed this really cool four by four eight point with a he had a damaged pedicle on one side so he had a really really big base which is really interesting i've never really seen that before really cool deer 
And when I killed that deer, he came out, he, and actually what happened was a doe crossed about 200 yards away from me. And she was running, and it was the coolest thing, guys. There were six bucks behind her. And those deer, when they came out one by one, I'm watching through my binoculars. I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. And it was three little bucks. It was one three-year-old buck and then two shooters. And I'm watching, and they ran down to a bottom. And I watched the buck that I ended up killing breed the doe, which, which I'd never seen before while I was hunting. And they, they, they were in kind of some thick stuff, but I could see him well with my binoculars. And then I, I didn't see him for like 45 minutes. And then the buck stepped out in range and he just in a split second. And, and I wasn't even expecting him. He, he came out of some thick stuff and I shot him. And um, I was so excited. And I was thinking about this discussion in the context of how people conduct themselves at camp. And not long ago, I was at my camp vacuuming. And I was running a vacuum cleaner on the rug. The place is filthy. You know, we've been coming and going like crazy. There's food on the countertop. And there's a guy that has come from out of town that was invited to hunt there. And he's sitting in the recliner watching TV. And I'm getting closer and closer to him with the vacuum. <laughs> I can't see where this is going. Yeah. And I get right by his feet. And he lifts his feet up. And I vacuum under his feet. And then he puts his feet back down and starts watching TV. And in five years, I may not remember the story about six bucks chasing the doe, but I will definitely remember that that guy did not get up while I was vacuuming. <laughs> it, it didn't didn't say, "Hey, can I, you know, wash the countertops? You know, where's the, where the trash no, at? Didn't, you know, didn't got any dishes to do? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. chilling, man. It's just chilling. And I'm, you know, I'm not like mad at him or anything. It, it was really hilarious in the moment. I just chuckled. I laughed at myself. But yeah. I'll never forget that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, so, all right, let's, let's talk more about, because we covered a ton of the, like, the, the woodsmanship expectations. Let's talk about actual in-camp stuff. And, and I'll go first because I'm, I feel like I'm the easiest. I have a 10 by 60 trailer. It's one, be- it's one room, which just it's wide open, no walls except for the bathroom. I got four bunk beds, a recliner, a sofa, and a coffee table. Um, and it gets a little cramped in there and, um, but it's cozy and it's actually, I actually think it's a little bit better than a deer camp. Cause it's not like, it isn't a, a roach in a rat hotel the other eight months out of the year. I mean, it's, we use it year round because it's, it, it's not the nicest place, but it ain't the worst I've ever seen either. And, um, but the dynamic there for me is I have this place because I love Spending time with my good, or not even, you have to be a good friend. I love spending time with other capable hunters that like to do the public land thing, that are enjoyable um, at camp and want to share some information. Hey, I'm seeing a move really good over here. Hey, this property is it's kind of dead. I'm moving on to the next one, blah, blah, blah. You're just kind of like, hey, yeah, um, I agree. I haven't been seeing much on that place. Uh, I suggest moving on. Or maybe, hey, actually, they move real late there. Why don't you stay? Whatever. Just like feeding information back and forth. Um, but I'll, I'll take chances on people. And I've got a, a decent sh- short story. There's a guy named Randy who sent Louisiana Bowhunter a DM saying, hey, man, I'm eating a big piece of humble pie. I can't figure out tinsaw. Do you have any advice? Like just not not locations, but just like 
what, here's what I've been doing. What do you think about it? Any suggestions? And my suggestion was you need to leave there and come over here where I was because he had a draw for somewhere else. And so he stayed with me, never met this guy. He's a fire captain in New Orleans, lives in Slidell, named Randy. And he came in. He was great. Like, he's invited back till the end of time. He's a great guest. He brought two bottles of liquor, brought steaks, brought sausage, brought uh, – I don't remember what else he brought. But these are just like what he, in his own mind, said, you know what? This guy doesn't know me. I'm going to set a good, a good impression. Here's what I'm bringing. While he was there, took out the trash, came and went every morning. I never hunted with him, shot a great deer. Went home, and he's going to be back this week, and he's going to hunt the rest of the week in that area. I think he's going to stay at the camp. But um, this is a guy I don't know that was a fantastic guest, and he has an unlimited invite until he screws it up. And then you've got some of your best friends that would watch you vacuum and pick their feet up and put their feet back down while you keep vacuuming the camp around them like Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm – that doesn't make sense to me, and it, um, it there, uh, not to get you know too many like business analogies, but it reminds me of when you hire your friend to work for you. They ultimately take advantage of you because they're showing up to work late, and they they try to leave early, and they only give you about seventy five percent versus a hundred because they don't feel like they really need to earn it. If you're a friend and a guest, you still got to earn your keep every trip, but that doesn't mean that you need to like you know, scrub the ceiling, just take the trash out, do the dishes when I cook for you, you know, um, bring, bring an 18 pack of eggs or 18 count eggs and a pack of bacon. Like That'd be great. Um, so like, that's the stuff that matters to me. Like I said, I have no expectations of to what you shoot and what your decisions are in the woods, because like, I'm not managing anything. Um, I'm just happy to have you here, but I, I hope that you're happy to be here and also, realize the dynamic that you're walking into as well i like i didn't just buy this place and like this is my first time here and we're all going to be guests and 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 live it up because there's a maid coming later you know um i'm the maid so taylor when when people come and stay with you at y'all's place what's your expectation yeah well my expectation is is simple i mean it's just that it's just that respect the place you know, no one's going to have their feelings hurt if you don't show up bringing a bunch of stuff. But it sure does show. It sure does show that that there is a that there is an amount of respect there. That this property, you know, that is owned by my family, that we've added to through the years, and I mean, it's 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 there's been a lot of like sacrifice to acquire it. You know, it, 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 a lot has gone into it. There's a there's a, there's a lot of identity that's involved with it. And not everyone fully understands that, but the hunting, the hunting is a way for us to use and enjoy this property while it ends up hopefully being a, a family legacy type of investment, you know? And so that's the whole deal. And the, the hunting is really like the expression of, of, you know, what's gone into it to, to try to build it up. And so if there's anything that you can do to send, send the message What's the messaging to send the message to to the people that invited you to hunt that just says, hey, I haven't even gotten on a deer stand yet, and I, don't, I have not even seen a deer, and I may not even see one, but I sure do appreciate just being here. If there's anything you can do to send that message, it, it's going to, I mean, it's going to virtually last forever. People are not going to forget that. If you don't understand 
the value or you know show that that there is some respect because so much effort goes into it it doesn't matter if you have thousands of acres or if you just if you just have you know even if you just invite somebody to hunt on public land and you're you, they ride in your truck and you tell them where to go i mean that's the same thing you are hosting them and yeah they they need to, they need to tell you they don't have to say it overtly but they need to tell you without telling you man i sure do appreciate this thank you so much and that's all it takes and um you know the opposite of that is you know not helping out shooting the deer you shouldn't shoot just because you really want to shoot one and then you know standing around and watching my three other people clean your deer <laughs> that's the opposite and <laughs> sure it sure does happen it sure does happen and um i don't think people do that with negative intentions i just think that there is exactly what you were saying earlier about how it, it's an emotional it, it's an emotional situation about how mature you are exactly what Locke yeah. was saying earlier yeah. I agree. I think, I think the 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 amount of people that could tell you a story that is just, uh, I mean, I guess kind of like your story, like just unbelievable. Like, how could somebody do that? You know, um, I think those are few and far between. I, I and I, and I think that what is actually happening is is more what you just said for the most part. And I think this conversation goes to the person who's you're really like being invited. Like you got to be real with yourself and you've got to, you need to understand, don't let your mind go to the place of this is my one opportunity, right? Like I know Taylor's got a great place and this is my one chance this hunting season to go on a kick-ass deer hunt. If that's your attitude, you're probably going to get emotionally ridiculous about it and do something that doesn't show that what's actually happening here is you've been invited to come hang out and enjoy the place. And if whatever opportunity is given you within the, the, the correct parameters, if that comes to fruition and you're able to take a deer, great. But what this really is, it's an invitation to go enjoy your property. It's not your one chance to go on the deer hunt that you wished you could go on every weekend. If you look at it from that perspective, you're probably going to make an emotionally stupid mistake that might not identify who you really are, but it's going to leave that impression with that person. And and I well, think that that happens a lot. Wouldn't that that would be an appropriate mindset for an outfitter service? Okay, so I'm but, glad you said that. But go ahead, finish introducing it. But, but but yeah, that, like what you're saying, if your goal is to kill a great deer, and Taylor has great deer on his property, but if you shit to bed on how you behave or decision making on Taylor's place, that relationship's probably tarnished if there even was one to begin with. Right. But that is literally the expectation when you go to an outfitter. You go there to kill a great deer and leave and never talk again. You know. Yeah. Um, but it, go go go. Okay, let me. I, I do a ton of outfitter hunting. I work for outfitters in different capacities, and I'm gonna so completely reroute what you just said. Okay, like here's the thing: if your expectation when you go to book a guided hunt or a semi-guided hunt is, I want resort style servicing with a extremely high or almost guaranteed opportunity at a trophy deer maybe a deer of a lifetime if that is your goal if that is your stated goal and it is people's stated goal very often 
I'm going to just be very plain and blunt with you. You need to go hunt in a high fence and pay that kind of money. Because if you think you're going to go pay somebody in the Midwest $2,500 or $3,500 for five days of food and lodging and access to all their deer stands and their trail camera pictures and all of that, and you're going to treat them like the maid at the local Best Western and and be hand, waited on hand and foot and kill a trophy deer of a lifetime, you are out of your freaking mind. You might get lucky, <laughs> and you might kill the deer of a lifetime. What you're paying for is an opportunity to spend five days hunting in a place that has opportunity outside of what you're probably used to, to get to hunt and experience hunting in a different state and do something. It's a vacation. If that is your price range, then you need to drop the whole idea that that 19-year-old boy who's taking you to and from the deer stand, who's your quote-unquote guide, is somehow like like you're somehow um, a celebrity that's being waited on hand and foot, and you're being put in front of a deer of a lifetime because your wife bought you a $3,000 hunt in Missouri. That's just not realistic. If you want to have the best experience you can have at an outfitter, show up, understand, yeah, you're paying to stay there. They're going to cook for you. They're going to clean up. But just be freaking cool, man. Understand that when you go to an outfitter, like I said, if you want guaranteed, if you want hand on foot, if you want resort, go pay $15,000 to hunt in a high fence because that's what those things are for. That's exactly what they're for. If you're going to an outfitter almost anywhere else in the country and you're in that three to $5,000 range, what you're paying for is an opportunity. And the opportunity that you're going to get has everything to do with how you hunt, how you act, and, and you have to play a role in it. They're going to do everything they can to have good spots for you to hunt. They're going to have good properties. But they can't control everything. And if you're wanting to get in and out of the stand at 9 o'clock in the morning and go sit around the camp, and but you're you're expecting to resort hotel this whole thing and just at some point of a, a, a 170 is just going to walk out in front of you that's just just shit's not realistic and that's on you you know and and i'll say one other thing what do you think is going to happen to the maid at the best western if you treat her like crap do you think she's going to put any extra effort into cleaning your room during the day like really you know if you show up like a prima donna or something or like you're owed something, if that's just your general attitude, what do you think the outfit service is going to do? Do you think they're going to put you in mm-hmm. the best spots if you're complaining and texting and blowing them up all day long about everything? Things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis when you go hunting that are normal parts of hunting, but they're they're exacerbated to you now because you paid $3,000. Well, go do the math. What do you think it would cost you to go up there and get a hotel room? And how many days do you think it would take you to scout and find a place to hunt? They're doing all that for you. So I'm turning all that around to say, Kyler, on the one hand, yes, that's your expectation. It's a different expectation. If Taylor invites me to come hunt with him on his place or anybody that that has a nice place that invites guests, my goal shouldn't be to kill deer. My goal should be to enjoy experiencing their property and enjoy the opportunity to hang out and all that kind of thing. And if I get an opportunity that's within the parameters that Taylor has set, respectfully, great, icing on the cake. That's a little different with yep. an outfitter. You're paying, you're expecting and hoping to get a shot. But it, but if you show up with this attitude that you're going to be hand, waited on hand and foot, and, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times 
I get asked this question when I'm booking hunts. What's the shot rate? What are the guarantees, et cetera, et cetera? I'm telling you right now, as nice as I can, if you even think you need to ask that question, get out of the $3,000 outfitted hunt market because you're, you're just you're, you're going into it all wrong. Like, that's just not what mm-hmm. it's about. It's just not. So you do kind of have to have some of that attitude and mentality that you have. You know, respect the outfitter. Be cool. You know, be cool and understand it's an opportunity to enjoy and experience something. That's what you're paying for and not for a guaranteed trophy or guaranteed opportunity at a trophy. Well, you don't understand hunting if you really, if that's really what you're only focused on. Because, you know, part of hunting is is the struggle to get there. And there is no reward without struggle, like period. Yeah. Part of hunting is the exercise of watching yourself do something so that you can get to the place of success. The reason that a sheep hunt can cost up to $75,000 is not because the sheep is worth $75,000. It's because the outfitter and the groups and the people and the, the flying and the, the small planes and all the different things that it takes to get you there probably costs 40. And, you know, they're just all doing their job. And you're, you're in, you're in nature there are no guarantees of anything. It's survival of the fittest. So I feel like, you know, conceptually just because they paid money, but all they're really doing is paying to relocate, you know, the hunt. They're paying for what what I, what we talk about, you're paying for the experience. That's what you're paying for. Like you're paying for the chance to hunt properties in a different part of the country that do offer tremendous opportunity, maybe at a higher rate, than what you're used to. And you're paying for somebody to give you a room to stay in and cook for you and let you hunt in the, on those properties. That's what you're paying for. You're not paying for the deer itself. And, it, and to your point, Taylor, if, if if for some reason that's creeping into your mind, you need to stop and take a step back because either A, you don't understand hunting, or B, here we come right back around to it. You're too damn mo- emotionally immature over a deer to think logically. Yeah. You know, that's that's what that is. Let's 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 start to wrap this up. I got one more quick clarification that I want to talk to you all about hunting, uh, like actually hunting. Um, Taylor, tell us how you convey to your guests what is okay to and what is not okay to shoot. Do you do it? Do visuals? Do you explain it? I know you you've asked me, you know, a few times if I know how to age deer, and I say yes. Like, of of course, I'm gonna lie. And, um, and so <laughs> I, I, uh, like if you have somebody that's coming hunting with you, how are you, uh, like what, what's a good way to, to make it to where it has the greatest chance of, of, um, no miscommunication between, ex- between what's okay and what's not. Well, if they've never hunted with me ever, and I don't have any like rapport with them, you know, like I've just kind of, they're like maybe a newer friend or a new relationship, and I just, I want to include them in the experience. I'm usually going to tell them, you know, to shoot a mature doe. And that's really almost like a test drive because I, I want to know that they actually even understand what a mature doe is. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I want, and, and I'll, I'll even ask like, you know, tell me, tell me about your hunting experience. And so, you know, maybe a lot of times they don't even really know that that's what I'm sort of testing, but, you know, I want to know, how many deer they've killed? How, how many how many sits have they had? Um, how interested are they really in hunting? 
you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm really just going to have a conversation with them and get them to kind of tell me their story about hunting in their life and, and judge it from there. Um, it doesn't take long, I mean, moments to figure out if someone's really serious and they understand how to age a deer and, and you know, the, just the concept behind shooting a mature buck or not. If I if, if if we take them hunting and you know they either shoot a doe or they don't shoot anything and um, you know we've kind of had that dialogue usually you know we're we're going to cut them loose and and say hey you know please you know shoot a mature buck if if they don't really still know what that is but they're a respectful person um, a lot of times I might I might you know coordinate to go with them um, I I really love to be inclusive um, I don't always have to kill the biggest deer. Uh, I want to kill the biggest deer, but I also, you know, I really want us to invite other people into the experience. And so a lot of times I will try to set up a situation where they can have success and just participate in it and, and, you know, see how it goes. But it takes time. It takes time. And, uh, you know, if somebody says like, yeah, I love deer hunting, you know, um, one time I went when I was 11 and I, I gut shot a spike with my pawpaws 30-30. It had a see-through side on the bottom below the scope where I could see and look at the iron sights. It was really cool. Then probably not going to just cut them loose on the butt killing, right? <laughs> I want to, um, but it just, it, just, it, it, it depends on, on what they're signaling up. And, you know, like a lot of people like you, Kyler, I'm, I've had tons of experience with talking to people about hunting. And so I, I just try to use that, that instinct to, uh, to make decisions. Yeah. So, so do you, do you ever, do you ever show if you're going to cut somebody loose, just as, as just as like double check measures, do you ever show them pictures of like, do not shoot or, Hey, this yeah. is one that's in this area, you know, keep an eye out for it. If you see this, definitely shoot that one, you know, type of yeah. thing, because that that would be like I said earlier. It's, I, I'm. Um, it's not so much that that I don't want to shoot somebody else's deer, but I am cognizant of the fact that, like this might be this might be a three year pursuit for this deer, and just because he happened to walk out on me doesn't mean that I want to take that from, you know, you you or your brother or your dad or or your your nine or eleven year old kid. I, you know, I understand there's more deer out there, but but I I have to quite literally be explicitly told if you see this deer, shoot it. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, otherwise I have this feeling of like, well, this is deer hunt one of seventy three for me this season. This isn't deer hunt one of one this year. I don't have to shoot anything, and it the the potential for something bad happen that happening is greater than me not shooting something. Um, well, if I did, yeah. You know, yeah. um, and it, sharing the camera pictures is, is also a way to keep you from, I mean, you know what to look for. So you don't like lose your mind with excitement. If a deer sure. with super long time, but a 14 inch spread comes out because I showed you the deer, the picture of the deer and you're already on the lookout, right? It gives you a better yeah. chance of your own. Yep. Well, I don't have anything more to add. I think I've ruffled enough feathers. <laughs> well, I, I do want to clarify one thing. I, I've been waiting to say this to the very end. I want to clarify that we're not a whole bunch of elitist, pretentious assholes over here talking about poor people or people <laughs> that have never seen a deer. Okay, like that's not the point. 
the point of this and the reason why this has been a topic I've wanted to talk about for a long time is that um, these instances, these opportunities are going to come up. If they haven't happened to you yet in your hunting, get ready for this lock, in your hunting career, mm. um, if, if you haven't had an opportunity to go someplace that is possibly um, – uh, temporarily above your means or is a place that's nicer than any place you've ever hunted or it's a place that just has a management program in general but it's still a shithole, a gar hole like my place is, there needs to be the respect towards what other people are working on and building and trying to establish a great deer herd so that this can, you know, you can come back time after time again and shoot more and more deer as long as everything um, is kosher and, and everything's great on your, your first experience. So I, the, the main goal here was I, I don't want people to blow their chances on great lifetime opportunities and relationships because they don't know, just because they're, unaware yeah. that some of the things that we've talked about today are even a thought process, you know what I mean? Um, that are even considerations in general. And um, so it's just about the, the, the res having respect towards what other people, maybe it's a friend, family, neighbor, business partner, customer, whatever, what they're building, respect that. And you'll, you could be invited back until the end of time, you know? <laughs> You're being a lot so, nicer uh, about it than I'm willing to be, but that's I okay. am, and that's, but I'm trying to be nice about it because I. Don't I just want feel like that's just be like decent yeah, human, decent human 101 is be respectful to people. Well, well you're all, yeah, there's a lot of other things you could tie into that that should that people shouldn't do, and they do all day every day. You yeah, know, that's true. So, well, I, well, I think that uh, I was just going to say, and guys, I really appreciate y'all having me on here. And uh, I've got I got real excited there at the end, so th thanks. And uh, but I wanted to tell you, you know, I think that if you spend a lot of time in the woods, and I think that if you're inclusive and invite other people into hunting, it makes people better. You know, I think that if you spend a lot of time in the woods, you you end up being a better person. And we're tasked to to be inclusive because we've all spent a lot of time hunting and fishing. And um, you know, th this should be no discouragement about inviting folks to hunt it's really more of a message of, of when you get invited, you know, how you can be tactful and, and continue that on. Because I, I think, I think we owe it, you know, to, to our fellow man to include people in hunting and let people make sense of this super important thing in our lives. Yeah. Well said. I'll wrap Let's up. By, there, guys. I'm going to wrap up with yeah. one thing. If you view this thing that we're doing as a career, you're probably going to fall victim to a lot of the things we're asking you not to do. And I'm, that's, you, I, make fun, you make fun of that word all you want. You make well, fun of my career word all you want. No feelings. I think this is just retribution because we made fun of your Android before it we might started be. recording. It might be. Yeah. I want to make sure that people know. I want to make sure that people know that I understand that career is the low-hanging fruit verbiage that you use there because what else do you really say? Love the, this journey, this path, all that sounds kind of silly in, in, I, in a way, but... I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there, uh, especially in the social media age, that uh, view their hunting as some sort of job, career thing, because for whatever. <laughs> That's not the word. And, and, and in doing that, that puts a lot of pressure on you to make maybe make decisions that, 
that that wouldn't go over so well in this whole kind of thing that we're we're talking about. about? What did we talk about yesterday? We were talking. I'm not going to name names, but we were talking about a guy that's killed way too many deer this season that have no standards for killing deer, and how I was seconds away from commenting on his Instagram. Hey, congratulations on killing more content for your freezer. You have like you have no business shooting any more deer. Please stop. You're like. You're making up excuses just to have bloodshed for photos and stop killing content. That's the problem. Stop shooting for content. That's the problem. The problem is the last thing you said is you're passing it off as something that it is not to make it okay. People that are doing – and that's what we're talking about with the guest thing. Like you convince yourself that this is an opportunity as a guest or this is an opportunity – uh, under under this invitation, this is some kind of personal opportunity for uh, of yours in some way, and what it really is is an opportunity for you to be a, 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 a an upright dude that takes advantage of the opportunity to go somewhere and do something fun and enjoy and have an experience, and within that, just be cool and respectful. It's not like somebody didn't just give you a free lottery ticket to to mm-hmm. to to kill something and post it on Facebook or or reach some milestone in your quote unquote career. If you view if you view all of these things through that lens, then it's gonna make you look like a douchebag when maybe you're really not a douchebag. You're just not handling this whole deer hunting thing very well. <laughs> like yeah. I'm sorry. People are gonna hate me after this episode, but I have strong opinions about this. And I'm so glad we had Taylor on because he said it so much more eloquently than I'm ever able to <laughs> Yeah, I say it offensively. He said it eloquently. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Taylor, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate your time today. And uh, Locke, um, sorry that I used the word career that you hate so much. It's okay. So it's all right. It's all, all about right. the harvest, right? <laughs> when they, yeah, when they, at, least, at least we're harvesting. Yeah. See ya. Thanks, Taylor. Have a wonderful day. Thank okay. you for listening Bye-bye. to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.